Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Glory to God. Go with me, if you will, to John uh, 15, John chapter 15. Let's start over there. We um, began last week on a study, a discussion, if you will, looking at intimacy with the Father. Do you know him and does he know you? Remember we read in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus said that many will say in the last days, Lord, Lord. Did we not do? Did we not perform? Did we not heal? Did we not deliver? Did we not produce all the activity, all the signs and all the wonders that should follow, right, the preaching and the teaching of the word that should be demonstrative of disciples and um, the things that we ought to be seeing in our lives as devoted followers? But The enemy would love nothing more than your life to be consumed with activity at the expense of intimacy, at the expense of relationship. And so we must be uh, understanding and must have an awareness that it is not the activity that defines our spirituality. It's not the signs and the wonders. It's not strict adherence to. It's not uh, those, uh, you know, more demonstrative and external things that prove your relationship with the Father. And I don't know about you, that's pretty convicting and pretty challenging and pretty eye-opening to think that someone could respond and say, hey, look at all these things that we did. And he would respond and say, but I never knew you. I mean, if that doesn't challenge you and if that doesn't provide some sort of wake-up call and some sort of, man, there must be something deeper to this. And so we've got to understand this need for relationship with the Father and intimacy with the Father and knowing him and him knowing us. Now, he knows you. But that word knew isn't just as in, um, I didn't know your name or I didn't know who you are. He created you, right? He formed you before you were even a a thought or an afterthought. He formed you before you were in your mother's womb, right? He created you with a destiny and a purpose. It's not that type of knowing. It's a, we were never joined together. I never intimately knew you. I, I never had that level of devotion and familiarity and, uh, uh, you know, just the recognition of knowing you in that way. And so we need to unveil and discover what that looks like, what this level of intimacy looks like. We said this last week, and I'm just going to give these to you real quick. We said that there were five benefits that you'll see in your life as a result of intimacy with the Father. As a result of intimacy, we said, number one, you'll have shared values, meaning that what he's passionate about, you become passionate about. I had a conversation with someone recently when they were talking about this this idea um, that 
you know, uh, somehow crucifying your flesh and crucifying your will is God controlling you. I don't, I don't know if I like the idea of a God that controls you that way. I said, there's no control at all. It's you aligning your choice with his choice. And that you have full choice in making that decision. There's no control at all. Now, control that is yielded is not control, right? It's chosen surrender. It's a chosen yieldedness out of the goodness of my heart. You're not a robot, and God didn't want robots. If he wanted robots, he would have designed it that way from the beginning, and we probably would have all turned out much better if, 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 if he fully controlled. If we, we love the statement, God is in control, when, when things go awry, we just don't like God is in control of my life. God is in control of my decisions. God is in, I have to, no, you don't have to do anything. You're yielding over. And so this shared values is, is not me robotically and mechanically uh, following and, and becoming passionate about the things of God and his kingdom. It's I'm making a, 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 a yielded decision and a surrendered effort to say, your values are the only values I wanna have. Your passions are the only passions I wanna have. Your mission is the only mission I wanna be on. It's shared values in the sense of, of I am abandoning my idea and my thought of something and I'm taking yours on. The second thing we said was that there's shared resource. Shared resource. You know, when you enter an intimate relationship, one of the great things about that is nothing is retained and nothing is hidden and nothing is restricted. Nothing's off limits. If it belongs to him, it belongs to me. If it belongs to us, it belongs to him. And he took our sin when he didn't have to so that he could give us our life when we didn't deserve to. But beyond that, you know, the glories of heaven, the riches of heaven, the, the inheritance of the saints, the, the, the spiritual gifts, uh, all those things that, that God owns, you live in God's house. He is your father. You live in dad's house and dad has some stuff that you've got some access to. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What are you worried about? Why do you seek the things the Gentiles seek? Seek first the kingdom and all those things that you're seeking actually come running you down after that. Come as a result of just seeking the purpose of the father. And he says, man, all the stuff I've got is yours anyways. I'll take care of the bill. I'll take care of your kids. I'll take care of the car. I'll take care of the house. I'll take care of, I'll put clothes on your back. I know the, the number of hairs on your head. Don't you know that if, if the birds are taken care of and if the grass looks as beautiful as it does, don't you know that I'll take care of you too? Be anxious for nothing, right? So there, there's no anxiety there. There's no concern. There's no, how am I gonna get through? Because everything he has belongs to me. And then in return, everything I have belongs to him. I'm not withholding anything. When he asks and says, hey, give that car away. It's yours. You tell me what to do with it. You don't have a problem with resource when you have a lordship, when, when you understand lordship and you understand covenant and you understand shared resource. You, don't, you will not have a problem with resource. You will never complain about not having something and you'll never complain when God asks something of you. All of it belongs to him anyways. Can we just come to that conclusion? Father, it's yours. You don't even have to ask me. You just direct me. This is where this needs to go. No problem. Because you're never gonna ask of me at my expense. 
God never asks of you at your deficit. Never, never. It's not the God I know. That's not the God I serve. But people that have covenant issues and people that don't have an intimate relationship with their father, they think God is demanding. They think God is cruel. How would he demand of that? Why would he take that from me? He knows that's the only thing I have. This is a God that asked of Abraham, go and slay your only son on an altar. And you read in the New Testament, you get inside Abraham's thought process a little bit, and he knew, you're going to raise this boy back up then. You're not asking of me at my deficit. You bless me with this. I'm not withholding it from you. It's not, there are no off limits in my life. God has access to all of it. Amen. That's intimacy. If there's something you're, you're limiting or keeping from him, then you're, that's, your intimacy is affected. Okay? We said that um, another result is confidence of right standing, your position with God. And nothing produces a greater confidence in your life. You don't need his approval. You don't need his affirmation. You don't need a pat on the back. You don't need people saying what a good Christian you are. You don't need to demonstrate and be like a Pharisee that just boasting and looking all proud and and, and prideful and arrogant in your haughty displays of spirituality. I'm confident in who I am. I'm confident in my position in Christ. I'm confident in my right standing with him. And I am, am, I am, and I've been made just. I've been justified. I've been made righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When he sees me, he sees Jesus. Because I'm in him. I'm in Christ now. And anything that's in Christ is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's, a, there's an outstanding confidence in your life that shows up when you have a level of intimacy. When your intimacy is strained, you start questioning. Where do I stand? Does he really know? And you are more familiar with your sinful side than your righteous side. It's, it, it's called, I can either live with a sin consciousness or a righteousness consciousness? What are you more familiar with? Are you more familiar? We, we uh, said this in our uh, young adult Bible study that I'm doing with uh, some of our young men here in the church. And uh, we said that we, we spend more time covering our weaknesses than exposing our strengths. Remember we said that, Michael? We spend more effort, more energy covering our weaknesses than exposing the strengths that God has given to us. Why do we waste so much valuable effort on the weak side of us, the sinful side of us, the lustful side of us, the lost side of us. Maybe we ought to give more attention to, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you might not fail as much as you think you do. You, you think you do. You might actually overcome and whip that thing if you'd highlight the fact that Jesus pinned it on the cross when he was nailed with it. And I don't have to be bound by that anymore. I can live as an overcomer. He shed too much blood for me to continue on in this life of sin. I've been made righteous. I'm one with him. Amen. So it affects your confidence and your right standing. You come boldly before the throne of grace. Number four, we said as a result of uh, uh, intimacy, you're not easily deceived or led astray. Now, it doesn't mean you won't be. I said not easily when there's a level of intimacy in your relationship. 
right? I mean, even between uh, married couples, when there's a, a healthy intimacy taking place and a, and a healthy uh, uh, intimate relationship that's taking place, and I'm not just talking, you know, in the bedroom. I'm talking about intimacy in knowing. You're not easily uh, looking for other activity to please you and to satisfy you and to gratify you, and, and you're not, you know, just, you've got blinders up. It's just me and you. That's true intimacy. And when you've got that with the Father, then nothing sways you and nothing pulls you. And the enemy can throw all the deceiving darts he wants and he can try to distract and try to draw you away and it won't work. Just me and the Father are one. I put up that wall. Imagine if Adam and Eve had maintained the intimacy that God designed for them in the garden. They wouldn't have been distracted by a talking snake. They would have taken dominion and authority over it rather than engaging it in conversation. Amen. And that was in a perfect environment. So if they could be distracted in a perfect environment, imagine how much you and I can be distracted in our environments. They didn't even have YouTube and Instagram and all the other garbage that we've got. That was the the G-rated version. Look at all the distractions that we have today. And we wonder why. I just don't know him. Does he know me? Those, those things aren't brought up. Because I've got blinders up, man. I'm, I'm laser focused. This is my relationship with the Father and nothing's pulling me off of that. Nothing's more important than that. And then lastly, we said this, number five, that intimacy deepens the impact of activity. Remember, we're not eliminating the spiritual activity. We're not eliminating a call to discipleship. We're not eliminating adhering to God's laws and God's word. We're not eliminating that we are to go out into the world and preach the gospel, share the gospel, baptize, cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, all that comes with discipleship, right? We're not eliminating, but the impact is deepened when you are wholly devoted and intimate with the with the. Father, now it deepens the impact. But if you get that thing backwards, oh man, you're as religious as they get. That's all religion has to offer you is activity to produce intimacy. No, no, no. God offers intimacy that produces activity. It's the other way around with God. So I don't emphasize the activity and I don't need the activity in my life to demonstrate how spiritual I am and how right I am and how good I am and, and, and feel like I'm close to the Father. I don't need all that. I walk with him day by day. I'm in his word. We communicate. We're one. I do what he tells me to do the moment he tells me to do it. Amen. So these are the, the, the values that intimacy provides in our life. In John chapter 15, we, 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 we get an insight into just how close, intimate. And remember, we're not talking proximity. We're not just talking by location. We're talking about a knowing In John chapter 15 and verse one, I'm reading out of the New King James, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that 
bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He says this in verse four, abide in me and I in you. Now that, that's, that's some intimacy. That's closeness, right? We talk about this, that this abide is not frequenting. It's not visiting. It's not every now and then. That this is establishing a jointed connection, a joined, we are operating and walking as one. And this is what Jesus came to demonstrate, right? Isn't this what Jesus demonstrated in his life? He said, I don't do anything on my own initiative. If God thinks it, I think it. If God says it, I say it. If God does it, I do it. If God responds to that, I respond to that. If God doesn't respond to that, I don't respond to that. Literally walking in such tandem, such connectivity, such consistency between heaven and earth. Remember, Jesus didn't come to show us what he could do. Jesus came to show us what we could do. He came to establish a principle and a practice and an example for you and I that you and I can be one just as my, my, uh, myself and my father are one. That was his prayer. He's not just talking about unity. We're talking about a oneness and a sameness a sameness of word and a sameness of thought and a a sameness where heaven and earth are unified now. And we have the same expectations God does and we have the same effectiveness and productivity that the father does. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He's going to the connection. He doesn't say, unless you pray enough, unless you work hard enough, unless you know enough scripture, unless you go to church enough, unless you're around the right people enough. He says, unless you abide in me, abiding in me is what brings sustenance to everything you do. And if you look in the word of God from Genesis all the way through to Revelation and all the way up until right now in this moment on November 1st, 2023, you will find that the effectiveness of God's people was either strengthened or compromised by their ability to keep covenant. I'll say that again. The effectiveness of God's people was either strengthened or compromised by their ability to keep covenant. And we're gonna talk about covenant. We're gonna break down covenant because we're gonna talk about covenant according to God's word of covenant. Because our idea of contract and mutual agreement and contractual agreement is is garbage compared to what God intended. Horrible. We can hardly keep our word to anything. And we sign, uh, we find ways out of everything. There's a legal loophole somewhere that gets us out of just about everything. You'll demand the refund. I didn't know it was gonna be like that, right? I mean, that's why all that fine print is in there. We gotta hide it. We can't even just be forthright and say, this is what you're agreeing to and this is uh, what we're, this is the contract. You hold your end, I hold my end. No, that doesn't work with God. There's no fine print. This is the fine print and it's all in there. 
and it's to our benefit. And every time God's people broke covenant, it didn't just compromise relationship, it compromised effectiveness. It compromised purpose. It compromised heaven productivity in the earth. That's what's on the line when we fail to keep covenant. We got to understand that God is a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. Amen. Covenant's important to God. Extremely important. And we're going to talk about that. You understand blood covenant and you understand the the the, the rites of passage, so to speak, that God ordained the avenues. He went out of his way to say, I'm making covenant with you that cannot be broken. And if you keep your end, I will keep my end. And he never fails on his end. Amen. He says, unless you abide in me, he says, verse five, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. That's that effectiveness. That's that purpose. That's that productivity. For without me, you can do nothing. It's amazing how much effort we give to that last statement to try to reverse it. For without me, you can do nothing. We, 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 we try to, whether intentionally or unintentionally, whether uh directly or indirectly do things without God. Without me. We, we want to at least find out what is my max that I can do without him and see if that's enough. And some of us have settled for the best we can do without God before we have to cross the line and say, I yield it to you. We want some level of control. We want some level of of of. of but what about this? And, and I'm not comfortable with that. And, and God's saying, look, without me, you can do nothing. There's, it's black and white. There's no in between. If anyone, verse six, does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. So if we don't take care of this connection, we'll get eliminated altogether. And this isn't the only time he makes this statement about being cast out. The wicked and lazy servant that buried his talent in the ground. He was cast out with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. He was cut off because there's not an abiding in. There's not a remaining in. It's cast out as the branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Again, we love the second half of that verse. Ask what you desire and it'll be done. Ask what you desire. I'm asking what I desire. I'm asking what I desire. And this is the thing is we think ask what you desire means anything I desire. But here's the thing, when you get the first half of that verse right, abide in me and my words abide in you, your asking becomes part of that shared value that now I'm only asking what you want me to ask and you promise to fulfill when I ask according to what you want me to ask. James says, if you ask, you can, you can ask amiss. Some of us are wondering why things we're asking for aren't being answered because we're missing the first half of the abide in me and my words abide in you. 
By this, my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. He says this, so you will be my disciples. There's this probably a much longer list, but these were just a few that I came up with. That there are things that we do in our relationship with God that we would not even tolerate in natural relationships. Grace said, you're about to get everybody in trouble. Have you noticed that? We treat God much worse than we treat even our own natural relationships. You wouldn't tolerate that with your kids. You wouldn't tolerate that with your spouse. Things like only reach out when you need something. Y'all never done that. You never call mom and dad only because I need 50 bucks in my account. I'm low on, on, on gas. I haven't heard from you in the last couple of weeks. Oh, hey, how you doing? Can I get some money? That's, that's a poor relationship. That's not intimate. When you need something, when you want something. You know, my dad jokingly used to do that. I, I've got a great relationship with my parents, but my dad would, I'd come in, hey, dad, all, you know, jovial, and what do you want? <laughs> right? No, you don't want a relationship that's only tied to resource and only tied to demand and only tied to, I need help. No, you want it built on, I love you, you love me, where this is a mutual relationship. And then, man, when the need arises, then I want to bless you and I want to help you. But how many times God hasn't heard from us since the last crisis, and he knows the next time he's gonna hear from us is when the next crisis arises. Just tuck your feet up under your chair so I don't step on anybody's toes tonight. All right? I don't want to trip. How about this one? You want to be in a relationship where you do all the talking and none of the listening? When's the last time your prayer life included sensitivity to the Spirit of God and hearing from Him? Yeah. Nobody wants to be in a relationship when you, you can't get in a word edgewise. Just talk, 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 talk. Well, let me tell you about, no, no don't got to talk. And then when they are talking, you're just drumming up the next thing you want to say while they're saying their part. Isn't that frustrating? Isn't that irritating? Come on, let's just all nod. Just, you might be sitting next to that person. Just look straight ahead. Don't look to your left. Don't look to your right. Well, I need some marriage counseling. I'm going to get all kinds of phone calls tomorrow. You called out my husband yesterday. That's all right. He's calling the other line. He's talking about what you're doing. <laughs> Hold on, let me three-way this phone call real quick. Let me just get you both on the line. No, that's a poor relationship. All the talking, none of the listening. God wants to be listened to. He wants his voice to be heard. All right, I got one more. If I didn't get you with those first two, this one will definitely get you. All the married couples in the room. Desiring affection without giving attention. All the wives say amen. 
All us men have been guilty of that at some point. No, we want all the blessing. We want all the, God, you love me, and I just want to know I'm your child, and, and I'm your son, and I'm your daughter, and, and you're going to pour out your love. And he's like, when's the last time you've been in my word? When's the last time you did something that I wanted you to do for me? You know, God's got affections toward us. But he wants us to give attention to to the affections that he has as well. And it's it's not, God's not stingy. I mean, what can separate, what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. That's boundless love. But love that if his love isn't reciprocated, guys, hell is full of people that God loves <laughs> at the end of the day. Those aren't people that he wrote off. Those aren't people that he eliminated. Those aren't people that he predestined. They're not gonna give their life to me and, and I don't want them in my kingdom. He, wants, he, he, want, he does not desire that any would perish. No, not one. He desires that all would come to repentance and receive the free gift of eternal life and the free gift of salvation. But it's not the love that he gave. It's the love that we receive and then reciprocate by saying, because you first love me, I love you and I respond favorably. Amen. And like I said, I'm sure there's many more, but when it comes to even our own natural relationships, we know what works and what doesn't. We know what what contributes to a healthy relationship and a fulfilled relationship and, and what compromises that. We know this. So this is all stuff that we can be giving attention to. This is all stuff that we can, I mean, you could do it tonight. You could make changes tonight. You don't need hands laid on you. You don't need a prophetic word. You don't, you don't need some miracle sign and wonder. You don't need an angel in your bedroom. You can change this stuff. In, I'm going to deepen my intimacy with the Father. Amen. John chapter 10. Abide in me and I in you. It's a high level of connection. God desires connection. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to intimately know you. He wants to to be intimately known by you. Heaven is not reserved for the scholars of the kingdom, the ones that know a lot about him. Heaven is reserved for those that know him. We read it last week. Paul said, man, all the stuff that I learned about him, I consider that dung. It it pales in comparison. I now know him. I spent my life learning about him. He said from the age, age of eight, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said, if anybody knew him, I knew him, knew about him. But all that life and all that study and all that adherence was small, small, minimal, meant nothing compared to now I know him and the power of his resurrection. And that's where we want to live. That's where we want to be. In John chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You know that there are those that want access to you, but not in the proper avenues. There are those that will even try to, if anyone tries to present a God to you that will override his word or circumvent his, his, his commands and his law to get to you, you wanna stay far away from that because that's a thief and a robber. He says, no, 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 the shepherd, the shepherd comes the same way every time. It's not gonna sneak up on you. It's not gonna surprise you. He's not gonna take shortcuts. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't take a shortcut? Aren't you glad when Peter got in his face and said, may this never be, Lord, I will die with you. I will die for you. I will make sure this never happens. Aren't you thankful Jesus didn't say, oh, thank you, Peter. I've been waiting for someone to come to my aid and advocate for me. And Thank God he took no shortcuts to get to you, to get all of him to you withholding nothing. But he who enters by the door, verse two, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They follow him for they know his voice. At the end of the day, you follow the voice you are most familiar with. You follow the voice you are most familiar with. It's not a question of what you're following or it's not a question of if you're following, it's a question of what you're following. You're following something. You're following something. Well, when I was living in sin, I was doing whatever I wanted to do. No, you weren't. And that's the sad part about it is is you bought the lie that you were doing what you wanted to do. No, you were following the prince and power of the air. You were following the ruler of darkness. You were following the one from the, the, the kingdom that you need to be delivered from. You weren't doing what you wanted to do. You were doing what the devil wanted you to do. The serpent sold Eve the lie of, if you eat this fruit, you'll, you're doing what you wanna do. And God's trying to withhold something from you. But no. He disguised it as you're doing what you want to do, but really you are doing what he wanted you to do because he recognized the moment you submit to my authority, you yield yours. I will get access to yours if you will obey mine. That's what he's been after all along. That's what he wanted God to do. He wanted God to bow down to him. Because the moment God bows down to the devil, he relinquishes his authority to him. Whatever you submit to, you're handing over your authority to. So there's something you're submitting to. There's something you're surrendering to. There's something you're following. There's something that's leading you out. And it says, by voice, 
I don't even have to see you. I just hear the voice. Some of us, we just hear the thing and it leads us out. We just hear the words. We don't even have to lay eyes on it. We don't even have to see it. It's drawing us out. And that only happens because we talked about this last week because you've grown familiar with it. Remember we talked about answering the phone back in the 90s when you didn't have a, 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 a voicemail system or you didn't have caller ID and you picked it up. Hello? You had no idea who was calling. That's the weirdest thing. The only time you have that now is it says no caller ID and you know what to do with that. Boop, red button. We already know what to do with that. I don't know why we didn't have caller ID, but we used our voicemail as caller ID. We'd let it ring four times, do the whole silly message. You've reached the Brady household. We're unavailable to come to the phone right now. Leave a message at the beep, and we'll call you back. Beep. Hey, this is a, oh, a picker. Hey, are you there? Why don't you just pick it up the first time? Because I didn't want to pick it up and not know who's on the other line. You remember that, Grace? No, you don't remember that. You don't remember that, Grace. Grace. Grace, you failed. She's just going like, yeah, I remember that. No, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor Mark. What is voicemail? What's an answering machine? That's what it's called, an answering machine. We had a machine that answers for you. But man, when you recognize the voice, and you, you, as soon as they start, they don't have to give you a name. They don't have to identify themselves. You know who it is. You recognize the voice. That's because you were familiar with the voice. It's because you came to know the voice. It's because you spent time with the voice. It's because you listened to the voice. You hearkened your ear. And the more you hearken your ear, see, this is the thing is every time we disobey, we are hardening our heart to hear his voice next time. To the point where if we're not careful, we won't hear him when we really need to hear him. And we're calling out and he's answering and we don't recognize it because we don't recognize the voice. That's a closeness. That's an intimacy. It's important. They recognize his voice. They know his voice. In the verse uh, right after it, verse five, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. They'll flee from him. How many of you believe it's good to flee from strangers? Yeah, stranger danger. Maybe I'll title this Stranger Danger. But will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, I've asked this. Some of you already know where I'm going. We've been doing this for a long time. Who's the shepherd and who's the stranger? We want to automatically think, well, Jesus is the shepherd and the devil's the stranger. Well, I think for a lot of believers, Jesus is the stranger and the devil is the shepherd. It's all about which one you're familiar with. Huh? I mean, not in this room. <laughs> Jesus is the shepherd. So you would be correct in answering that. Right? It's all about which one I get to know. It's relative. 
You determine who's the shepherd in your life. You determine who's the stranger. Because the shepherd, some of us come running, beckoning at the, every beckoning call, every time it calls us, every time it asks of us, every time it speaks up. I mean, we go running right to it. We don't even know we're doing it. But then when Jesus starts speaking, he's got to get our attention. He's got to get our attention. He's got to get our attention. He's got to tell us a thousand times. And you don't want to be Pharaoh. After 10 times, see, every time the, vo- the word of the Lord comes, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to soften your heart to surrender or it's going to harden your heart to disobedience. And every time you say no to the last one, you're hardening to the next one. And he keeps coming back with chances. At any moment, you can have a heart soften that says, okay, I get it. But the more and more we run that course, it's costing us intimacy. When someone's intimately known, you don't have to beg with them, plead with them, ask them a thousand times, rail them with, with questions and, and are you sure? And you don't have to do all that. It's just an easy response. It's a oneness. It's a connectedness. It's heaven asks, earth responds. That's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because I'm seeking wholeheartedly. I wrote down three things that I think indicate intimacy. Three indicators of intimacy. And again, I'm sure the list is longer than this, but these three stood out to me based on these two passages in John 10 and John 15. I believe that our intimacy needs to be measured. I don't believe this intimacy with the Father is abstract. I think that we can put a pulse on it. I believe that we can take an inventory in our lives. And I think these three areas are a great measuring stick. Number one is devotion. Devotion is an indicator of intimacy. Devotion, how devoted are you? Devotions are about appetite. Devotion is about appetite because the scary thing about it is if I get an appetite for the wrong thing, I'll never desire the right thing. No matter how unhealthy the thing that I do desire is and how unhealthy the thing that I need that I'm rejecting is. I'll always desire the wrong things. I'll have an appetite for the wrong things. But devotion, it, it tempers your appetite toward the right thing. Now, it's just like what we asked about uh, the, the, the shepherd and the stranger. It's not a matter of, you know, how, how many of you have ever ended the day and said, oh, I, I didn't do my devotions? Anybody ever been there? All the other liars can come down front later after service. Well, I would answer this. You did do your devotions. You just devoted yourself to something or someone else. Yep, just put your feet right back under that chair. Don't bring them out yet. I mean, if we're going to talk about intimacy, we got to talk about adulterers. 
Jesus said, you're a perverse and adulterous generation seeking a sign. You want the results without the commitment. That's what an adulterer does. I don't want to be committed to you in husband and wife relationship. I just want the benefits that come with that. And so devotion, it's not a matter of if I was, you know, if I had my devotion, it's a matter of what did I put my devotion toward today? Devotion is investment. Devotion is it's what you're devoted to. And devotion can be recognized. And devotion, I believe, is a great measuring stick of intimacy. Does he have my devotion? Does he have my attention? Does he have my focus? Does, when he calls, do I respond? When he asks, do I comply? And not just in compliance, but in surrendered, that's all I want to do. God doesn't want our compliance. He wants your heart. Saul thought he could comply. David figured out, no, he wants my heart. And he was a man after God's own heart. Compliance will get you in trouble. Just doing it to do it. There's no devotion. That's not devotion. I think devotion is a great measuring stick. Number two, I think communication is a great indicator of intimacy. What's the communication look like? Not just in the quantity, but in the quality. What I mean by that is, it's not just measured by how much or how long, but the clarity. And you'll have seasons where it's, it might seem dry. You might have seasons where it's like, I just don't know if I'm hearing his voice. And let me tell you right now, if you're struggling in hearing his voice, do the last thing you heard. Amen. You would be surprised at how much obedience can get you over the top. Surrender. But in communication, I was listening to a, Comedian of the day talk about, you know, husband-wife communication. And he said, look, I'm, I'm sure that there's things that my wife tells me that I haven't heard. You know, because that's always, you never hear me. You, 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 never, you never hear me. I just told you that. But he's like, you know, it's hard for me to believe you're batting a thousand and I'm just going oh for a hundred over here. You get it right every time. You never hear anything. That's, I don't know if that's true. but clarity in communication an understanding and a receptivity, a responsiveness to the communication. Because I'm going to tell you right now, everybody wants a prophetic word and everybody wants a word from God and everybody wants direction. Are you ready to submit to that word? Because the prophetic word ain't going to do nothing for your life unless you submit to it. Jonah got a word from God. I mean, he got a word, didn't he? God, I'm seeking purpose for my life. I'm seeking direction. Okay, um, abandon this and go do that. Uh, give me another word. Can I buy another vowel? I don't like that one. I'm going to go to a different church. 
I'm going to find a different prophet. I'm going to have different friends. It's interesting. But when that communication comes, what do we say? If you want to hear the voice of God, say yes before he speaks. Surrender. It opens up the heart to hear and receive the word of God. It's an indicator of intimacy. The third one I have as an indicator of intimacy is trust. How much do you trust him? Right? I thank God he's not having us do the trust fall. You know, I have to get up here on the platform and fall backwards and hope someone is catching me. But how much do you trust him? You know, there's always going to be things that will test your faith because faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. So there will be a testing of your faith, but it should never be a testing of my faith in the sense of, I don't know if God can do it. It's a testing of, can I come through this on the other side? But I have seen lately, and and again, it may be with good intentions. It may be with a desire to align and and, and to, to, to bring people in that, that have serious questions and doubts and, you know, whatever. But, but some of it, I believe, is fostered in a mindset of distrust, as in, well, we don't really know if we can trust him. We don't really know what he says. I don't believe that's the God we serve. And that's what we've been talking about this year, abundant clarity. I believe we serve a God that wants to make himself known on every front and in every way. And I don't believe there's any way uh, in our lives that he's desiring to be mysterious and mystical and, and ooh, out there. I think that he wants us to be so in tune where the spiritual things become more real to us than the natural. Where we recognize the voice of God greater than we do the voice of our own family members. We could be so in tune with that. He's not trying to hide himself from you. He's hidden things for you to search and to seek out. Do I know everything I need to know now? Sure, I don't. Do I have questions? But but this whole idea, I, I heard someone say one time, well, I don't let doubt drive, but I keep it in the back seat. Man, you better get that doubt out. Get the doubt out. I think it's Jesse Duplantis that says, I learned to not be a doubter. He said, I learned to doubt my doubts. Doubt's your doubts. No, I don't, I don't let the I don't let doubt and fear and wonderings live rent-free in my mind. I cast those things down. Every imagination that exalts itself against the sovereignty of God. And we, a lot of times we just land on the sovereignty of God as kind of the, the, the safe place on the board where I don't have to answer the question and I don't have to ask why they didn't get healed and I don't have to ask why we have to do this and I don't have to wonder what, what's gonna happen in this situation and that. You just need to learn to trust God. And when you're intimate with him, then the, the trusting becomes greater and greater. 
doesn't mean it answers every question, but I'm not focusing on the things that I can't answer. I'm focusing on the things that I do know. I know he is good. I know he is a healer. I know he is a redeemer. I know that he can turn what the enemy meant for evil around for my good. I know this, I know this, I know this. And you become confident in that rather than wandering through life with all these questions. There are people literally breaking down their faith today deconstructing, is that the word they call it? Deconstructing their faith. And it's virtuous because how can a God so mighty and a God so expansive and a God so great be ever fully known by his people, but yet there's a desire to know, there's a desire to learn, and there's a desire to recognize. And many of the things that you're struggling with, the answers are more clear than you think. The answers are just more clear. Stop questioning his nature. Stop questioning his motive. Stop questioning his purpose. Stop questioning the the, the heart of the father just because something didn't go your way. Gotta have a, when you have intimacy, it's not easily challenged in question. There's a great trust there. I'd have to be convinced that it's not true. Amen. Amen. I mean, if you came to my wife or, 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 or came to me and made accusations to me about my wife and certain things, yeah, right. You don't know my wife. I know my wife. She did not just eat seafood. She would have to prove it to me. I need to see video footage that she just ate some salmon because she hates seafood. Right? When you have an intimate, deep relationship, and you're going to have to prove to me he's not a healer. And you're already too late because I've already seen it happen. Well, tongues aren't for today. Too late. I've been doing it since I was eight years old. Come on. People are allowing the world to inform them of God's character because they don't know the word. They don't know him. They don't know him intimately. Well, let me wrap it up with this. Trust goes both ways. So really the bigger question is, can God trust you? I wanna be one that God can trust. If he gives me one talent, I'm not burying it. You can trust me. And because you can trust me, I'll double it. And next time you'll give me more. And I'll take the risk because you can trust me. Sometimes we're more concerned, can I trust God? And he's like, can I trust you? Intimacy produces a great level of trust. I believe these are three indicators that we can just take an inventory on us. How is my devotion? How is my devotion? And again, apply those three things to any natural, intimate relationship that you believe you have on this planet. Be your child, be your, your, your spouse, uh, be an employer, employee relationship, any, any relationship where there's a high level of intimacy and a high level of investment. How's your devotion to one another? How's your communication between one another? And how's your trust? Do you second guess? Do you wonder? Do you worry? Do you have to go behind? Amen.
because we want to develop this intimacy. Father, we thank you that by your Holy Spirit, we can be intimate. We can be known. We can be intimately known by you, and we can intimately know you. Father, I thank you that we can deepen this course in our lives, that we can deepen our efforts and deepen our uh, investment in knowing you and being known by you. Father, I thank you that we take these words as challenging as they may be, as convicting as they may be, but Father, as rewarding as they are to take a true inventory. Where is our relationship with you? Have we been consumed with activity? Have we been the Martha, but not the Mary? Have we been the Mary, but not the Martha? Father, in what ways have we compromised our ability to strengthen our intimacy and deepen our relationship with you. Father, as you make these things aware, we're obedient to respond accordingly because our intimacy with you strengthens our productivity and effectiveness in the earth to be your people, to be your representation, to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, hallelujah, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.